This is the Small Mouth Crush Podcast. If you're a hardcore angler, you've come to the right place. This is a weekly podcast that will interview some of the top smallmouth bass anglers in North America. Travis and his guest will discuss what it takes to consistently catch big smallmouth, and you'll get a glimpse inside the mind of a trophy smallmouth angler. And now, here's your host of the Smallmouth Crush Podcast, Travis Manson. Yo, welcome to the Smallmouth Crush Podcast. My name is Travis Manson. We have another great smallmouth stud joining us this week it's been crazy talking smallmouth learning a lot i hope you guys are enjoying this podcast weekly podcast talking with the top smallmouth bass anglers in the country this podcast is brought to you by the real shot your premier tackle store in northeast wisconsin they got a lot of really good bass gear fishing tackle heck of a store they also have an online store therealshot.com i'm going to give you guys a code discount code 15 percent off your first order, Smallmouth Crush 15, when you're checking out, and that'll get you 15% off. They got free shipping, all the bells and whistles, and a huge selection of bass tackle. So head on over there, check it out. We're going to bring on our next guest. His name's Gary, Gary Atkins. He's actually, I've known Gary for a number of years, and uh, he knows how to put some big smallmouth in the boat. So I'm excited to bring him on. And without further ado, welcome. How are you doing, Gary? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Man, this is going to be fun. So I see you You like big bucks, too. Yeah, I got a few of them, too. Dang. When I'm not when I'm not in the water chasing smallmouth, I'm in the woods hunting big whitetails. Are those from Wisconsin? Every one of them. Yep. Oh, wow. Well, that's pretty impressive right there. For those that are listening to this uh, in the background, he's got one, two, three, four, five, I don't even know, just some monster bucks. Speaking of monster bucks, monster smallmouth, that's one of your specialties. So tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, you know, obviously you're from Wisconsin, but maybe your home bodies of water that you fish on, on a regular basis, as well as, uh, you know, if you travel outside the state and things like that, and just kind of give us, give us a little, uh, quick, quick little update on yourself, Gary. Sure. Well, I, I spent the last 20 years up here in Green Bay, um, chasing the smallmouths on the Bay of Green Bay, uh, Baiting Knot area, Sturgeon Bay. So being this close to these smallmouth, it, it drives passion into me to go out there and see what I can do in boat catching these fish. Sure. You know, I, I started out fishing some small local tournaments. After a while, I got into the Bass Nation. Um, now I'm fishing the Bassmaster Opens. And, you know, these smallmouth up here is what really drive me to fish bass, really. You know, I started out as a walleye fisherman, jumped in my first bass tournament, which was the Sturgeon Bay Open. And once I hooked into that first smallmouth, my walleye days were over. Wow. I, I instantly started bass fishing, like I said, local clubs. Next thing you know, I, I worked my way up. I learned these fish. I learned how their seasonal patterns. And I just, ever since then, I haven't looked back. It's just been a passion of mine. So you fish a lot of local tournaments now as well as the Opens. Yes. Uh, I, you had a good year in 2020. Uh, I would say, right? I mean, what were some of your accomplishments uh, in 2020? Well, in 2020, um, we have a local series up here called the Wisco Series. It's a single series. I did accomplish Angler of the Year there this year, which you mentioned the real shot. Um, They are my sponsor this year. They're going to look out for me out on the Opens this year and, and, uh, and help me with my entry fees. And So they are a major sponsor of mine. Um, I also won the Sturgeon Bay Open this year. Um, 
and a number of local tournaments also. So, yeah, I had a great year. I can't, I really can't complain. Now, winning the Sturgeon Bay Open is a big deal. Is that your first time you won that? Yeah, I've had really. Several, I've had several top tens there, but this sure. is actually the first time that I've actually won it. A couple times it was within ounces of winning it. Sure. And I've had that taste to win it for years, and finally this year I was able to accomplish it. Sturgeon Bay Open tournament in the spring that takes some pretty big weight. Uh, what was your uh, total weight? Is it was it a one day or two day event? It was a two day event. It was a fall event because of the COVID this year. They had had to cancel the spring tournament. They pushed it into September, and they had it on the first day. I had, I believe it was twenty point nine ounces, twenty pounds nine ounces. The second day, I backed it up with almost twenty three pounds, which is good that time of year. That's that's the good weights, yes. As far as your favorite technique when it comes to smallmouth fishing, what what's a, a pattern or a technique that you tend to gravitate to or really enjoy fishing and targeting fish with that specific technique? Well, there's a little controversy, but I, I, I like that A-rig. That's one Do of you? my favorite ways to catch them on the Bay of Green Bay here. But, you know, there's a lot of tournaments we can't use them. Like, for instance, the Sturgeon Bay, I could not use it there. I, I, I chose a crankbait a jerk bait, and, and, then, and then some isolated rock piles. I fish tubes and drop shot. But if, it was my, if I had one way to fish them, it would be a jerk bait or a day rig. Really? Okay. So power fishing more than, than finesse style of fishing. Yes. What would you say your biggest strength is when it comes to uh, being a smallmouth angler? Um, for me, it's understanding their seasonal patterns. From the time they come in in the spring to spawn, post-spawn, summer, and then right into the fall, you know, obviously when they come in the spring, they could get into that shallow water. They're looking for a place to spawn. You know, they spend all winter feeding on smelt on the Great Lakes. And that's primarily where I fish is Great Lakes. They spend all winter fish, feeding on the smelt. Once water temperature warms up a little bit, they concentrate on crawfish. Okay. And then from there, they go to the gobies. Everybody knows about the gobies in the Great Lakes. Sure. And there's a good population of emerald shiners also. So just knowing that transition through their feeding patterns, knowing the currents on the Bay Green Bay, I'm able to dissect and, and, and home in on these big smallmouth. Sure. So the smelt pattern, uh, how long does that normally, I mean, you said it goes into the, the winter months. Are you experiencing that bite in the early season at all? Yes. Uh, you know, April and May? Um, right away when the season opens, there's a couple week window there where, when these big fish come up out of that deep water where they've been wintering all year or all winter, mm -hmm. they start to move into these shallow bays. And they're, you'll catch them, and they will be spitting out smelt. Um, the smelt here spawn in the spring right after ice out. So this, you know, they're all, also along the shorelines. But it's a small window, real small. We're talking a couple of weeks. It's over with. Smelt okay. go back out to deep water. Small boats stay in that shallow water. So once that happens and, and the smelt go back, what, what are those fish keen on then at that time? It's, it's small, small crawfish. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yep, crawfish. Once it gets into that 54 to 57 range, then crawfish start coming out of the rocks and the mud and the bays up on the Great Lakes. They'll focus on them for a couple of weeks. And then once they're done spawning, they start heading back out. And at that point, the gobies start coming around and then sure. I spend all summer feeding on gobies. Sure. So when they're chasing the smelt, what type of key baits are you throwing at them during jerk that bait. time? Jerk baits, swim baits. Okay. Jerk baits, swim there, baits. There, there's a tremendous jerk bait bite on the on up in Sturgeon Bay, um, Bay of Green Bay, um, Lake Michigan. 
Sure. As far as a jerk bait goes, what would be your go-to bait that time of year? Um, probably a mega bass, uh, mega bass Vision One. Um, okay. Something in a smelt pattern. Okay, sure. So natural colors yes. is what you're going with. Yes. And then once, um, as far as a swim bait, what are you going to be throwing with a with with those setups? Um, Kitex mostly, the three point eight. Okay. Um, the three three, and also a lot of people are starting to use that um, dark sleeper by Mega Bass. Sure. Um, that's starting to catch a lot of fish up here too. Is it now? Are you are you dragging that, or are you swimming it through the water column? I'm swimming it. So once they start keying in at 54 degree water temp, uh, they start eating the crayfish. What's your go-to technique during during that time? A, a tube jig. Tubes, sure. Yeah, you got yeah. I try to I try to focus on the small smaller tubes, the stubbies. Um, mm-hmm. uh, dark melon copper is a good color. Um, green pumpkin is always a good color. So smaller tube versus the longer three, three and a halfs. You're going yeah. at that two and a half, two and three quarter size, maybe even smaller in some situations, I would imagine. Right. Are, are you targeting a specific depth at that time of the year? Uh, five to 10 feet of water. And what are you looking for? Is it is it more like you mentioned in the fall event, you're, you had some isolated rock piles. Is there anything that you're looking for that time of year specific or just transitions? Um transitions um windblown points uh gravel gravel uh, mud transition just uh, before you get up onto these flats you know once the the spawn starts of course there's there's a, a tremendous amount of sight fishing on the great lakes and the clear bodies of water that we have uh which is always fun but there's a lot of different baits that you can use i know you're one of the top sight fishermen out there when it comes to smallmouth how do you go about targeting these fish for a, a tournament during the spawn you know everyone has access to these fish you know everybody's up there looking seeing this sometimes the same fish what are what are your what's your game plan going into an event or just a day of fun fishing when you have that much pressure on these spawning fish well i i tend to look for these little areas little out of the way areas that pe- most people aren't going to find um, you know, you get onto these big flats where I live up here in Sturgeon Bay, the Bay of Green Bay. You're right. They get, these fish get pressured from the day they pull up to the day they leave. So it's really key finding these little spots where you're only going to catch two or three, four fish, but they're going to be good fish mm-hmm. and they're not going to be pressured fish. So you're going to get them, a, you know, your first or second cast in there and move on to the next one. Sure. And then having four or five, maybe even six of these areas that you know that you can go to that these fish are going to be ready for you. Do you have any uh, tips you can give our our listeners when it comes to uh, baits that you found more effective when when they are spawning? Um, you know, I, I tend to use a drop shot. Um, anybody that's fished up here on these Great Lakes, there's a point in the spring where you get this slime on the bottom. Yeah, these bass will, will fan a bed, and it'll be clean. But if you don't land right in that bed, you drag anything on the bottom, and you know, Travis, you've been up here, you get that green slime on your bait and they won't touch it. Sure. So I tend to I, I tend to go with the drop shot. Okay. Keep that bait up off the bottom. Um that's my typical thing. And then for as far as a bait, I would use a cross scale shad. Um something like that. Something in a minnow or goby imitation. After the spawn now, these fish start to of course a lot of fish stay shallow really year round. Uh, but throughout the spawn, there'll be some shallow fish. There'll be fish that are transitioning. You know, there's a lot of good offshore structure on the Great Lakes, specifically around Door County, Sturgeon Bay, Bay of Green Bay. 
where where do you go from there after that you know there's that window sometimes where it gets a little tricky how do you stay on those fish shortly after the spawn well it's like you said they they get all that pressure when they're up shallow so the first thing on their mind is to get off that get off that flat sure move out to that first transition where it goes from eight to 15 maybe even 20 feet and they will just cruise them transition lines looking for the schools of small perch the gobies that are going to be coming in mm-hmm. things like that so again i'm using swim baits um possibly a spinner bait maybe okay moving baits um first thing they want to do is they want to relax they want to put on that feed bag a little bit and then relax and so they're not going to be chasing jerk baits anymore things like that they're going to want something a little slower it's just a small window there and then like you said they move up to the offshore reefs after that mm-hmm. um, some mud flats maybe um there is a number of fish that stay shallow but i'll tell you what they get educated really quick and they're tough to catch once they do head out and get a little bit deeper what do you what do you find yourself using most of the time to target those fish and how do you go about finding those fish uh good electronics and, and i typically you get them with a drop shot Okay, so a lot of drop shotting. Yes. Uh, specifically, are you changing baits uh, as far as, you know, you mentioned the cross-tail shad, goby imitators. What would be your number one drop shot bait come the summer months? I think it's the number one in the country right now, and that's the Berkeley flatworm. What do you think makes that bait so powerful? Is it the scent? Is it the shape? A combination? I think it's a combination. Obviously, the scent, once they get close to it, they get that little bit of scent. It, it makes them think that it's real. And once they get it in their mouth, they get that little bit of taste. And it just sure. helps them hold on to it long enough to, you, so you get a good hook set on them. Sure. Uh, I know I've tried other baits. I mean, you do catch them on other baits. Mm-hmm. But th- for, for whatever reason, that, that flat one just seems to be the best. So on your drop shot setup, uh, what 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 type of action do you like on a rod as far as uh, as well as the length? And then can you kind of walk us through the setup uh, when you're drop shotting, line size, things like that? Well, as far as a rod, I typically use like a 7.3 medium action rod. Um, okay. Yep. Um, and then I usually, for as far as line, I use a, um, a, a Power Pro braided line with fluorocarbon leader, typically a six-foot leader. Okay. Um, and then on my leader line, is usually six-pound tap, Vizx. Um, okay. Um, something in that order. It's sure. Gotta be, it's got to be good line. It's got to be. Good quality line. Sometimes I use sunlight. Right, right. As long as you got a, as as you got a good rod with soft action, you're, you you can fight that fish and get them in. Mm-hmm. When you're using your electronics, what exactly are you looking for? Are you looking for fish? Are you looking for structure? A little little bit of both. Um, unfortunately, I don't have the Garmin yet. Okay. Uh, but I do have 360 imaging, um, so I can I, I can find these isolated rock piles. So that's typically where they are, and I can see the fish on there even with the 360. So that, that's what I'm using right now. Sure. Uh, I just got the new boat this week, so my new boat will have the Garmin on it. So get out there and try it this spring. Yeah, I think you'll be impressed with it. It really changes how you can fish. You can fish a lot more effectively with that, with those types of electronics now. And are you planning on having a combination? Are you still running the 360 as I'm well? Not, I'm going to have one of each. I'm still going to sure. use the 360 with the Garmin. Light. So that's a smart idea. If you can yeah. get away with it, I think it, it can only help you. It can't hurt you. Throughout the the summer months, when you're targeting these fish, you're 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 staying deep for the most part. Then, are you going up shallow? Do you look, do you uh, play with those fish at all? I play with them. It depends on the day. The cloudier days, I you know, I tend to go stay deep. Them sunny days, these smallmouth they like to get shallow. So if the wind's blowing and there's a, a good sun, 
they will get shallow and I'll play with well, them. I up mean, there too. What makes them come up shallow and, and also where do you start? Because there's a lot of shallow areas. How do you break it down to know this is an area I need to start, you know, paying attention when those conditions are right? Well, up, you know, like on the great lakes, the gobies, they'll even get shallow. They'll get up in that five feet of water. So they're up there hunting gobies. Like you said, they can see better up there. Um, the water column's not as deep. So, mm-hmm. you know, their food is concentrated to the bottom. Just makes them a lot easier, a lot easier for them to find it, I believe. Sure. Um, as far as areas where I look for, I look for uh, windblown points if I can find them close to deep water. Because these fish will transition out of that deep water. They may be suspended out over 40 feet of water, but they'll move up on these points. They'll mm-hmm. feed and they'll go back out. Sure. So just depending on the day, the wind. Um, wind, wind and current plays a big part up here on the Great Lakes. Um, you know, Travis, you you fished up here enough to know that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the current could be going one way and you're not getting bit. That wind switches, and that current switch, and also they just fire right up. It pushes them shallow. It seems. Do you notice a a pattern with? with the wind and some areas that you have confidence in, like let's say you know some really good deep rock, is that something that comes into play or do you just, do you check it regardless or are you at the point now where you know if there's a particular wind that that spot's going to be better than others? That's where I'm at. It took me years to figure this out. A lot of the good, good, good fishermen up here in the Great Lakes, they know that wind direction. They know where to go on what wind and it plays a big part in your success here. You know, in the spring here, anytime you get a north wind, like it, like Little Sturgeon, Sand Bay, Raleigh's Bay, you get a north wind and it starts blowing in on them points, you're going to load the boat in a hurry there. Do you see a difference as far as wind and water temperature and if, if that affects where these fish kind of hang out? Is it obviously probably more in the springtime that affects them? Yes. Or I could be wrong, but what are your thoughts on that? No, absolutely. You're right. You know, these bays... You'll, there's pockets of warm water. When they come in there, they're, they're looking for that warmest water because they want to spawn. And that pocket will move from one, one day to the next. You might be catching them in the north or the west corner of that day one day, and the next day, because of a wind shift, all that warm water pushed to the other side of the bay, and then fish will just follow that water. So wind direction means everything. Right. That's crazy. So moving into the fall, now this is where, you know, your last, your big win, the Surgeon Bay Open, was was a fall event this past year, and you mentioned crankbaits, which I'm interested in learning a little bit more about how you target those fish with that technique. But what are your top techniques when you get into that fall time of year? Are they, are they still deep? Are you still where they were in the summer, or or what are you looking for now? Well, right now in the, in the fall, they're they're transitioning shallow again. They they really are. So for me, I was targeting when I won the tournament from from six to 12 feet of water. Mm. And, you know, I was using a 12 foot diving crankbait. I'd rather not say which one I was using because it sure. really is a special bait and it really makes a difference. Um, but that, that's what I was targeting. And what it was, was Emerald Shiners were moving in these bays and these bass were in there really feeding on them. There was days where I could go in and I could catch a hundred fish in a day in the fall. You know, not all big ones, but mm-hmm. the big ones were mixed in there. Um, and it just seemed like more fish would come and come and come as, as the fall came in. And then once the water temperature drops below 60, then it slowly transitioned away. But they were there all fall yet. I mean, right up right up to, a, you know, 40-degree water temperature, the fish were still shallow. So we, we don't have to talk about the crankbait. But can, you, can you talk about the setup uh, as far as what you were using, as far as a rod 
and and line when you're throwing that crankbait. You said it was it was like a, it went down about ten to twelve foot range. Is that what you were yeah, looking yes. for? Using a Saint Croix glass rod. Okay. Yep, and I, on twelve pound test. Sure. With a, with a uh, for a reel, I was using a Bass Pro Shop series. Uh, I believe it was a six point five gear ratio. Okay. That's, you know, not nothing real fast, but I had speed there if I needed it. Yeah. Um, Is it a steady retrieve or steady retrieve? Okay. And you got to be ticking the bottom. You do. Okay. Yes. Interesting. So sometimes, uh, you know, I do a lot of cranking during the summer months where we're targeting suspended fish and it certainly works. And, you know, at that point, obviously you're not hitting bottom, but in that situation, when they're up in those shallower bays, you're, you're ticking bottom. We mentioned earlier and the Great Lakes is notorious for this, where you get a lot of algae and stuff on the bottom. I mean, do you work through that or is it just they're not you're you're looking for clean bottom most of the time for this technique or um clean bottom is preferable i mean you you will have to clean off your bait every once in a while sure but the crank bait i was using it had, it had a, the, the right size bill on it to where it was it was i think it was shoveling through that and it okay wasn't following it up much. another thing i was targeting was uh, there was like clear sand pockets within these rocks and them fish were concentrating on them sand pockets. What would be some other top baits for the fall? Um, tubes, obviously, are real mm-hmm. good yet. When you, if you could find clean water, um, drop shots always good in the fall. Sure. Um, a lot of fish were caught this this year. Drop shot here. The FLW when they came, most all their fish were caught on drop sure. shots. The guys that were up in the channel, they were doing a lot of swim bait fishing. Were they? Yeah. And yeah. and drop shotting also, but a lot of swim bait. Have you fished other Great Lakes or just? Lake Michigan, the Bay of Green spent, Bay. I have spent some time on Erie, St. Clair, mm-hmm. um, but that'd be the only other Great Lakes. You know, I do fish up in uh, Beatty Knock quite often, also, which is still part of Lake Michigan, but right, but just a different portion of it, which is an incredible smallmouth fishery, also. It is. What would be the main difference that you notice? Uh, you know, going up to Beatty Knock, which is basically uh, for people that don't know, it's just it's the top part of Lake Michigan. Uh, in the state of Michigan, you know, it would take from from Sturgeon Bay to Bay to Knock would be a three hour boat ride, I would imagine. Yeah. Right. At, so it's at least, yeah. it's quite a ways away. It, it, do you notice a difference on how it fishes, or is it relatively the same, or what do you look for way up north in that zone? It's mostly offshore reefs. Mm-hmm. Um, the fish don't get near the pressure Sturgeon Bay, other parts of the Great Lakes do. Sure. Uh, and, I, and I don't know why, because it's a, really an incredible fishery. It you is. Can go, you can go out there and have 100 fish days also. And I fished a July tournament there one time and weighed over 30 pounds and five fish. Right. I believe it. So, yeah, yeah, they're big. They're big. They are. That leads to my next question. What is your biggest smallmouth, your personal best smallmouth? 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven. Wow. Yes. And where was that caught? Sturgeon Bay. Sturgeon Bay. So walk us through. Is it spring, fall? What, what bait? It was spring. I caught it on a tube jig um, just a couple of years ago. Um, it was a pre-spawn fish. It was fishing a wind-blown point. Mm-hmm. Um, a school of pre-spawn females had moved up. And I, that day I probably had 33 pounds and five fish. That's awesome. Yes. That's awesome with a 7-Eleven. They're out there. It's just a matter of time. Any any day that state record could be broken. Now, two years ago, yeah, two springs ago, in the Sturgeon Bay Open, somebody caught one two ounces short of two ounces short of our state record, which is nine two. I couldn't imagine. 
It does have some big fish. Wisconsin's a great area for a smallmouth angler. There's a lot of opportunities, whether it be the Great Lakes, whether it be smaller lakes, rivers. Do you mess around with anything besides uh, Lake Michigan and the Bay of Green Bay? I mean, we've had, we've got some good inland lakes. Uh, Big Green's a good lake for smallmouth. Um, it gets a, it's starting to get a lot of pressure now too, but it's a great fishery when you get it at the key times. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mississippi River by the Cross, sure, a Prairie du Chien, another great smallmouth fishery. You know, at peak times of the year, spring and again in the fall. Most tournaments are one in the fall. They're on smallmouth. Sure. So, so Mississippi River, that's about a five, six hour drive, maybe from where you're at. Uh, about four hours. Four hours. Do you get out there much? Do you spend some time I, out there? I try, to, I try to get out there two or three times a year. Mm-hmm. I believe last year I fished uh, three tournaments there. And are you targeting smallmouth? I am. You are. What What do you look for on the river? I mean, there's so much going on there. If anyone's familiar with Mississippi River, it's got a heck of a population, largemouth, smallmouth. You got wing dams, you got rock, you got grass, you got, it looks like Okeechobee in some places. Uh, incredible backwaters, cuts. I mean, where does one start? Well, in, in the summertime, I would say from end of June through first part of September, you're looking for sand drops um, out of the main river, obviously still in the current, mm. but they'd like to get up on these sand drops. These shad come across these sand drops. And when they drop it off that deep edge, them smallmouth are eating them. Later in the year, when you get into late September, October, I'm targeting wing dams. The top side of wing dams and the eddies behind them. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's it's an incredible fishery. I haven't been able to fish as much as I'd like over there on the Mississippi, but I know they catch them really good. I know there's opportunities as far as some inland lakes in northern Wisconsin. Have you messed around with some of those fish? Um, you know, there's a bunch of guys that I hang around with and fish them lakes. I personally have not got to wow. fish many of them. Uh, lake Batunga I've been on a couple of times. Sure. Um, Butternut, it's been a few years. But them, yeah. are also, them are also big smallmouth fisheries. They're not mm-hmm. a great big lake. Um, they can't handle a lot of pressure. But the giant fish that are in there, there's a lot of them. What do you think makes you prefer the Bay of Green Bay and Lake Michigan over the Inland Lakes? I mean, there's so much good fishing within hours' drives of your house. What makes you keep going back to the Bay? I It's just my favorite place, the place to fish. I understand it. I, I know how the fish set up there. Um, it just and, and I'm, someday I'm going to catch one. It's going to be over eight pounds, maybe nine sure. pounds. And I'm just, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. And that's why I spend so much time up there. Sure. Have you messed around at all as far as um, other areas uh, on the Bay of Green Bay? You know, you mentioned, you keep mentioning, you know it very well, but how do you challenge yourself when you want to go try to find some new water? How do you take that approach? And, and is there a spot? Maybe there's not a spot on that bay you haven't fished yet, but there's, what are your thoughts there? There's spots out there I haven't fished yet. I'm slowly creeping my way north, and you know I, the southern part of Green Bay, all the way up through Door County. There's not much I haven't fished. Both sides, West Shore and East Shore. Um, the northern part of Door County and the Lake Michigan Lake Michigan side of Door County. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of water there I haven't fished yet. So when I get a chance and I'm not tournament fishing, I, I I'll go exploring and hopefully find something new. If you could have one bait that you had to use the rest of your life for a smallmouth, to go out smallmouth fishing, you're only allowed one bait. What would that bait be? I would say the tube jig. Really? Yes. Now, let's take it one step further like we do on this uh, 
podcast with all of our guests. What color um, would you be bringing out? Um, probably dark melon copper. Dark melon copper. That's that's the deal, huh? Yes. Wow. Wow. What do you think is so special about that color? I just think it looks so much like a crawfish on the Great Lakes that when they see it, they just think it's a crawfish and they tend to eat it. And it seems to work everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know we fish a lot of the same waters, you know, myself growing up in Wisconsin. Of course, we haven't even mentioned it, but you do catch a few good smallmouth from time to time on the Winnebago system, Lake Winnebago. And there's some major tournaments on that body of water in 2021. I think the, uh, I believe it's the MLF. I think they're coming there. Yep. Correct me if I'm wrong, but oh, you're right. Um, you know, what can guys expect during that event as far as smallmouth goes? And, and what are your thoughts on Lake Winnebago? It's, it, I believe it's one of the largest inland lakes in Wisconsin for sure. If not top 20 in the country, besides the great lakes. I mean, it's massive. I mean, I grew up not far from there. I caught a lot of walleyes there, did a little bit of bass fishing. It's a massive body of water with a lot of rock, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, the Bago system, it's for me, it's hit or miss. I've had some good success there, but I've had some failures also. So um, in the spring, I target that shallow rock. Um, and like again, the smallies are coming in to spawn. It's not a deep lake. As you know, there's really no real deep water on Lake Winnebago. Mm-hmm. So they stay shallow pretty much all year there. It's got a great population of largemouth also, but the smallmouth, if you can find them, you can win any tournament out there with them smallmouth. If you can stay on top of them, when you know when like wind on Winnebago can be your worst enemy, mm-hmm. it, mud, it muddies fast because um, because of the, the shallowness, um, it gets super rough for, for whatever reason. Doesn't matter if you get a ten mile an hour wind or more, you're gonna it's gonna be rough out there, and you're gonna have a hard time. As far as anyone that's not familiar with Lake Winnebago, it's not known for. Big fish, really? I mean, you can drive an hour north and be on the bay and catch a 30-pound bag of smallmouth, where Lake Winnebago, that's pretty much unheard of. Why do you think that is? It's such a big lake. Why can't these smallmouth get to that, you know, a a four-pound smallmouth on on Lake Winnebago is a pretty good fish. Why aren't we seeing more fives and six-pounders out of that body of water? You know, I... I don't, I don't, I can't explain it because there's a good food forage there. Exactly. You've got, you got shad there. The gobies are there. The crawfish mm-hmm. are there. I can't explain why they don't grow to the size they do on the Bay of Green Bay. Essentially, yeah. you can, you can get to the Bay of Green Bay from Winnebago. Sure. Going through the Fox River. So I don't understand why they're not growing. Yeah. The size the Bay fish grow. I've always wondered. That's, that's always puzzled. You know, it's been a, a, trying to be like, why can't these fish get, I mean, the walleyes there can get pretty big. Why can't these smallmouth grow to those, you know, those big, bigger sizes? I mean, we're spoiled up in Wisconsin in that area when you can go out and catch a, you know, five pound average for five fish. I mean, that's a pretty incredible experience for a lot of people across the country. But really, when you fish the Great Lakes, you fish places like the Bay of Green Bay, that's kind of expected, and sometimes that doesn't even cash a check in tournaments, especially during the springtime. Yeah, you could weigh a 25-pound bag in the spring and not even come close to a check. Incredible, incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, Gary, that was some good stuff, some really good information. If anyone's interested in heading out to Sturgeon Bay, Lake Michigan, the Inland Lakes of Wisconsin, this podcast is going to be a good start, give you a head start on, on kind of what to look for. You really broke things down. You know, really cool to have someone that's such a 
a, a dominant hammer when it comes to smallmouth locally. But if you're fishing tournaments on in Sturgeon Bay, everybody knows who you are. So how do you how do you deal with that kind of pressure going into some of these events, knowing that you're the guy to beat in a lot of these tournaments? Well, I, I try not to think about that. I, really, I think I'm just a normal guy, you know, and I just go out and do what I do. I, I love the fish and I got a passion for it. And I try not to let that bother me. Mm-hmm. You know, I got, you know, I, there's days I've got to watch what I'm doing out there. People are looking for me. Right. Um, but I try not to fish any of my good stuff on during the weekends when most of the guys are out there. Right. Um, but other than that, like I said, I'm just a normal guy out there and, I don't consider myself to be a, a hammer or a local stick to beat. You know, other people might view me that way, but uh-huh. I'm just, like I said, I'm just a normal guy. Right. Well, I know how much money you, you won last year. So, uh, yeah, I would say you're pretty, and, and forever. I mean, just growing up, your name has always been there and, and you've dominated that scene. You're right up there with a lot of the top anglers across the country. What separates you and, and makes you so successful when it comes to smallmouth fishing? Well, I think it's just understanding their seasonal patterns, um, water temperatures, um, where they're going to be at certain times of year, wind directions. It, it all plays a part of being successful out there. Um, it's just years on the water. You can't replace the years that I've spent out there fishing these fish. I mean, you just you just can't. It, I didn't learn it all overnight. It mm-hmm. took a number of years to, to put these pieces of the puzzle together to become the fisherman I am out there. Do you have any like bad days, frustrating days out there? Everybody has frustrating days. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't have too many bad tournaments. I mean, sure. But it's just because I spend so much time out there and I, you know, I try to get all my ducks in a row before I hit the water. When, when you head into an event, a, a big event, are you, are, are you, are you thinking about past history? Cause obviously you mentioned you have a lot of experience. Does that hurt you at all ever? Or, or, or does it help? You hear both ways, you know, sometimes. I agree. It can be both ways. I mean, there's times where I thought I had things figured out doing one thing. And then I think about it a little bit and I'm struggling Mm -hmm. and to myself, I'm, what am I going to do to turn this day around? And I, I go back to my history of things I've done. And the next thing you know, I'm right back on them and I'm either winning the tournament or right there to win. Sure. Yeah. One thing about smallmouth fishing is, uh, you know, you can have a bad, bad morning and uh within an hour you can be right back where you need yeah, to be yeah. so it really travis it works both ways i mean mm-hmm. there's days where if you fish history it can hurt you bad and there's other days that that history really helps <laughs> sure no i completely understand awesome well i, I appreciate you uh hanging out with us and, and joining us on this podcast if uh if anyone wants to get a hold of you and follow you and, and i know you're fishing the opens this year uh, the real shot's going to be your your title sponsor for that. Uh, what's a good way to get a hold of you, Gary? Um, you can follow me on Facebook, uh, Gary Atkins Fishing. Also on Instagram, Gary Atkins Fishing. Um, this year, I'm hooked up with the real shot in Appleton. They're a major sponsor of mine. I'm proud to be with them. I'm looking forward to representing them. Sure. Um, check them out online. They've got a lot of good products for fishing. Anything in the outdoors, check them out. It'd be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to bring this up. So you, you, your fish in the opens is, is it just something you always wanted to do? You want to fish at a higher level? Are you, are you looking to qualify for the elites at, at, at some point? What's, what's your main goal, uh, by fishing the Bassmaster opens? Well, obviously someday I'd love to fish the Bassmaster class. I'm doing this to challenge myself. 
I want I want to make myself a better angler. Um, and now moving to the opens, you know, I've fished the opens the last two years, and mm-hmm. it didn't take me long to figure out it's a it's another level of fishing, a different class of fishermen. Everybody in the opens is a good fisherman. I mean, sure. anybody can win that tournament. Um, now, you know, I'm fishing against 200 guys going, traveling across the country, fishing bodies of water that I don't know um, and trying to put it together in four or five days. Mm-hmm. It's a, really a challenge for me and I enjoy it. Yeah. What's, what's interesting. We talked uh, before the show started and I kind of assumed you were going to fish the Northern opens, but no, you're doing the centrals. Is that correct? Well, yeah. The centrals for a couple of reasons. Um, the three bodies of waters that is in the central, I have fished them before. I've got a little bit of history there. So my comfort level there is a little bit stronger. Sure. Now, the Northern division or yeah, the Northern division, obviously you got the thousand islands, which is a small mouth factory. Yep. O- Oneida, which fishes a lot like Winnebago. Mm-hmm. Um, the James, well, I don't know that. Sure. Uh, that's mostly a large. I don't know who, who knows who, I don't know who enjoys or knows the James. I'm sure there's a few guys out there, but. Yeah, it's you know, uh, so I am gonna fish the centrals. Not to say that I you might not see me at Thousand Island or Oneida, we'll see how it goes. But mm-hmm. if I'm doing well in the centrals and my work and my fishing schedule allows me to do it, I you may see me at the other opens, but right awesome. Now, right now it's just gonna be the centrals. Awesome, awesome. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Hopefully we do see you on Oneida and the Thousand Islands in the future. I really appreciate you coming on. And I wanna thank everybody for listening to the uh the podcast today i can't wait to bring another exciting episode next week and as always until next time we'll see you guys on the water thanks so much for listening today make sure that you're subscribed to the show and follow us on instagram at smallmouth crush also the youtube channel smallmouth crush and if you feel so inclined please leave us a five-star rating and comment with a review below and as always until next time we'll see you on the water <laughs>